Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin edwards and joining us today folks got the ceo of stoke please give a warm welcome to mr jacob arlene jacob thanks for coming on the show today thanks so much for having me kevin of course of course so jacob i want to start maybe just with a, a personal question um because you know the, the field you're in it's you know, it's real estate, but it also has a lot to do with the environment. And we kind of consider that leadership. And so just out of curiosity, like how, how would people describe you maybe like in your adolescence growing up, were you always kind of, you know, passionate about the environment? I mean, how, how would people describe you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I, I wasn't necessarily always passionate about the environment. I think I always had an intrinsic uh, kind of feeling and care and, and for nurturing the environment, but that wasn't necessarily my driver for both what I wanted to do with with, with my life, um, and 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 specifically with work. I think that's probably a typical answer you hear. Most people who get into art, this field or have this great story about being passionate about the environment since they were younger, um, wasn't exactly why I got into it. But it is really why I have stayed in what I do. Um, and I don't. I think people would describe me in, in adolescence as like. Uh, both being pretty curious about a lot of things that are going on in the world. Um, and and that kind of drove me into, I ended up being a physics major and, and an astronomy major in college because I wanted to like figure out how things worked. And uh, that was always what interested me. 
And, um, and then, yeah, I ended up kind of falling into the sustainability world um, with this job. I've been working at the, at Stoke uh, since I began my career. So only one company, which has been crazy. Um, but uh, that kind of connection to the importance of making impact has really gotten me out of bed every day. Uh, that's what keeps me in, 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 in my excited about what I do and excited about the mission of our company. So go into that a little bit more. Like when, when you think about hey, impact, you know, this, this is what I gravitate toward. This is what gives me meaning, like describe that, that to someone who, you know, is curious about what that feels like. Yeah, that's, it's a good point. I think, I, I think about impact in a couple of different ways. Um, one, and this is aligning to our core values as, a, as an organization is, um, is a bit of our equity, like making sure that we are delivering positive benefits to not only the, the, the folks who can afford what, to buy what we do, but also the people who can't and um, to the folks that, that someone's not necessarily respecting what they're thinking and, and, and their opinions. Um, so there's a big piece of equity in both what we do as an organization and um, what drives me. Um, and then just general um, ensuring, like sustainability is an interesting word. I think people often uh, connect it with just, you know, environmentalism. Um, but really the definition of sustainability is ensuring that we can continue to operate as a society in the future. And so um, making impact is, is ensuring that we're going to continue to be successful as a, as a society uh, and we're not digging ourselves a hole that we can't get out of. And Jacob, so you've been at the organization for a, a long, long time. Tell me about maybe a story that resonates with you when I ask about the early days mm. of the company. To me, that could be maybe trying to figure out what this dang model looks like, how it's going to work, how we're going to get a sale. What what story comes to mind that, I guess, uh, embodies the early ages of of Stoke? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. We were certainly scrappy when we started. So, I I was the first employee in 2009. Company got founded in 2008. Um, at that point, it was uh, it was just me and the two founders, and uh, we didn't have a lot of work. Uh, this is right after the great. We're kind of in the middle of the Great Recession. Uh, times were tough, uh, and uh, I remember the first major project that we got. Uh, there's marquee buildings. They're called the Embarcadero Centers in San Francisco. Um, a big piece of the San Francisco skyline. And uh, actually our first project was pro bono. Um, we gave away our services to, to a client, long-term client of ours, um, because we wanted to get our foot in the door. And uh, that ended up springboarding us into probably our most marquee project to date, or one of our most marquee projects to date, which is the Salesforce Tower, same client. Started with a free service and then ended up with this crazy marquee project that um, just, I don't know, it's, it's really cool a little bit about what we do is to be able to point to that building uh, when I'm talking with my friends or, you know, my family's in town and say like, that was one of our biggest, first and biggest projects. And, and, and I was a part of that. Like, that's always such a kind of a cool feeling to be able to, to point to something that you've actually done. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I know what the sales tower is. Uh, we have listeners from all around the world, like describe uh, to them, you know, what is that? What is the sales tower? And more so, like, how did how did this project come to me? What was like the thinking behind the inspiration behind this this tower? Yeah, so Salesforce Tower, which was the Transbay Tower until Salesforce got the naming rights for it, um, it is the biggest, uh, tallest building in San Francisco. And when it was being built, it was the tallest building on the West Coast. 
Um, so it was this marquee project that honestly has been in planning for probably 15 or 20 years. And it really centers a new um, entire district in downtown um, that there's now, I think, 10 or 15 towers that surround it and, and around this beautiful um, park and this transit center. And so really, it's like the core of the San Francisco revitalization that's been happening over the past 15 years. Um, and it's a building that's just really well known. And you can point to, and you can actually see all across the Bay Area, uh, we're, we're notorious for our fog. And one of the things that the Salesforce Tower does is it pokes up above the fog. So you, anywhere in the Bay Area, you can always, if you're looking at downtown San Francisco, you may not be able to see most of the buildings, but you can always see the top of the, of the Salesforce Tower. Um, and so it just kind of embodies the, the, the evolution of the San Francisco skyline. And so what, you know, when we think about building blocks, like lessons you learn that you can apply and take to the next big project, like what were mm -hmm. some of the key learnings, you know, from that, whether it was personal or professional that you've taken with you along your journey? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest things we learned, I mean, that project was fascinating. There were multiple ownership groups um, that were running the project that owned the project and were developing it. So that itself was unique. Um, it was by far the biggest project team I've ever worked on. It was meetings that we had 40 or 50 people in the room talking about sustainability and, and lead certification. But um, one of the things I learned the most, and this has really led, has been a core part of our business, is, um, is, is how you present sustainability to your clients. Um, your clients often have different motivators for why they care about sustainability you know, ideally it's, it's altruism and they just generally believe in what we do, but that's not always the case. And in being able to, to speak the value of sustainability from a financial lens, specifically from a real estate financial lens to your clients, to, to like show them what they care about, talk about sustainability in the ways that they care about. Um, that was critical. I learned that in that project. And um, that's really uh, shaped how we deliver our services. It's always um, speaking to the client in the way that they appreciate. Yeah, go into that a little bit more. I know a lot of our audience who are impact-oriented, growth-minded leaders, they struggle with that, right? Struggle mm -hmm. with articulating, conveying, conveying the value proposition of, mm -hmm. of impact in, into your organization. Mm -hmm. uh, when you say appreciate the customer, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I think as consultants at the end of the day, like we are not successful in ourselves. It's, it's, our success comes from our clients being successful in their organizations. It's about them shining and about them succeeding. Um, and so what you end up doing is shifting and shaping the narrative a little bit based on who your specific client is, like what, what are their drivers and what is their organization, you know, their organization's drivers uh, for performance. Um, and so it's being a little bit flexible about that messaging. Um, but in terms of the value of sustainability, I mean, I think, you know, we often think, I think, this has become less so a little bit recently, but especially when we started, most people assumed that sustainability was just a cost add. And then maybe there was this nebulous marketing benefit. Um, but we've been able to show that there's, you know, you know, huge financial benefit, whether that be on the building side with, um, you know, reducing operating, you know, NOI and increasing the asset value. Um, or even an, an even greater impact is on the um, employees who occupy your buildings, especially when it comes to workplace. Uh, we put out a white paper about five years ago around the financial value of high-performance buildings and specifically talked about things like productivity, health outcomes, uh, and retention uh, being a 
huge financial benefit when you are building these healthy, sustainable, beautiful offices. And that has just become even more important as uh, there's just less people coming to work. And so you need to build better spaces to be able to encourage people to come to the office. So when I, when I hear and reduced NOI, I think the easy ones, like energy saving, energy efficiency, mm-hmm. I think of potentially better air, air filtration for better employee productivity or something mm-hmm. along the lines of that. You had mentioned earlier and you know, before we started that reinventing organizations was a book that kind of inspires a lot of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. When you approach a building, what's like the, the steps you go through? I guess, if you're willing to share briefly, you know, mm-hmm. how you think about that building and, and, and maybe how you're trying to, to pitch this to an organization. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and, that, you know, one of the things that you want to ensure that you're doing, and, and even more important as we talk about this new paradigm of how people are working in buildings, is designing a space to um, maximize the happiness of the employees who are going to be occupying that space. Uh I, th- I think we've, the real estate industry is oftentimes not thought about that. They just build a, they build a building and they make it look good. It checks all the boxes. It has the number of desks you need, but like speaking to your users is critical and designing a space to be, to align with the users and to the organization that's going to occupy that space is critical. Um, and so that's partly how we approach projects is like understanding, truly understanding our client, understanding their drivers, both for the space and, and as an organization in general and ensuring that their space represents those, you know, organizational drivers. And, and thinking about growth, Jacob, mm-hmm. just looking back, you know, from from employee one to where you are now, mm-hmm. um, from from maybe a sales point of view, um, mm. what's what's been a key driver of mm. your growth? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been our approach to customer uh, service and client relations. Like, I think one of our biggest differentiators is our flexibility. Uh, with how we service our clients, our clients are constantly, you know, each client is different. They con- they have their own demands and requirements and like allow, you know, we ensure that we are flexible to meet what they need, whether that be how you structure a contract or, you know, what type of work we're doing. We always want to be flexible and and we just develop these relationships with our clients and they just continue to come back to us because they appreciate that flexibility. They appreciate our approach and our, um, Commitment is like having fun. One of the things you mentioned in, about this podcast, like we, if we're not having fun in what we're doing and if we're not having fun with our clients, we're, you know, not probably all that happy and uh, with the work. Um, and so I think that that connection to, uh, to our clients has really allowed us to scale as an organization. And, and not to mention you, you all, it, it, you know, from my lack of knowledge in, the, in that space, but I would assume you're ahead of the puck. You know, I mean, you're you're going to where the puck is. We're mm-hmm. we're increasingly going to lead certification, uh, lead certified buildings, mm-hmm. more sustainable uh, buildings, more conscious employees, things like mm-hmm. that to maximize mm-hmm. the happiness. Where are you focusing your time and energy next? Where where's the next big sustainable revelation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And we actually just put out our new five-year strategic plan and kind of define where where we're moving as an organization. And it's honestly um, kind of going beyond the built environment. We have been a real estate-focused company. We will still be real estate-focused, but we have found that uh, with the elevation of the importance of uh, ESG and carbon 
which used to live within the real estate world and now has been elevated to the C-suite of these organizations, we need to move our thinking beyond just real estate and be able to communicate the benefits of ESG, of decarbonization, of sustainability to the C-suite, still with that same financial lens, like there is financial value, um, but you shift kind of the, the marketing. Um, and then also, but, but continuing to drive where we can drive impact, where we can drive change is within the real estate. So you have, you have that connection between, you know, a little bit of a different marketing lens and a little bit of a new audience to uh, set goals um, and then connect that to asset level and portfolio level real estate solutions that we are driving that actually allow companies to achieve those goals. Interesting. Interesting. Revolution. Interesting. Interesting. And when you're speaking with just like the layman on, on the street, maybe it's a father, mm -hmm. maybe it's an uncle, an uh -huh. aunt. Um, are, are they, are they grasping the concepts of sustainability? Are they, mm -hmm. are they understanding the value of, uh, the, what you see as the future? Mm, that's a, that's a good question. Um, and it's interesting, like, I think more so than ever, those topics are on, are in the psyche of, of really many more people than they used to be. I mean, there's front page news, wall street journal was about climate change, ESG, ESG investing is constantly in the news in front of mind in political debates like that has never happened before i think if i told people i did green building consulting 10 years ago people would have no idea now they at least understand the concepts whether that be combining climate change or you know diversity equity inclusion they understand those concepts they at least they at least know what the words mean they may not totally understand the concepts um so that is really exciting and i think that's bodes well for both the ability for our industry to make impact and our company to be successful. Um, people don't typically know the specifics about what I do. Um, and that can get kind of nuanced. Um, but the fact that they know the words, that they've heard the concepts is, you know, light years above where we, where we were. You know, Jacob, you, you mentioned in there a couple of times, the word impact. Um, mm -hmm. It is a term that we use here all the time. People use it loosely. People use it very intentionally. It means different things to different people. How do you define impact? That is a great question. Uh, and there's actually part of our five-year strategic plan is we are defining what, uh, what of our services make the most impact. And so, and this is unique to Stoke, but we've defined our impact in kind of two categories. Uh, our ability to decarbonize uh, our clients' work and our, their corporations. Um, that's one of the ways we define impact. Um, we think that climate change is like one of the most important challenges that our world is facing. And if we make a difference in, in decarbonizing the world, like we're doing our part to help um, address that issue. And the other thing is around, um, is around equity uh, and um, ensuring that we are not only delivering our services and making a difference to the people and to the companies that can afford it, um, but also to the folks that can't, because they are uh, both going to have going to bear the biggest impact of climate change. Uh, and also they need to have their voice elevated. And so we define impact in those two buckets. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a bunch of, uh, of lenses of impact. And I do think it's kind of important to focus because I think if you try to tackle all of the ways, all of the little different aspects of, of impact, you can get overwhelmed in what you need to do. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Jacob, you know, I asked at the beginning of the show, you know, how 
how would how do you think people would describe you, you know, in your adolescence? And my question to you now is how do you think people would describe you as a leader today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that uh, I I tend to be pretty technical in my understanding of what we do as an organization. I've had the benefit of being able to work on pretty much all of the different services we deliver. And so I know a little bit about everything that we do. Um, and my brain, I just tend to be pretty technical. Um, and so there's definitely that expectation. Um, and then I think I, I also tend to be pretty... Um, pretty like easygoing in, in, in many circumstances, um, keep things light. Um, and obviously that it's not always possible as, as a CEO, but as, as in most of the cases, I want to ensure that people are enjoying what they're doing or having fun. Um, they're excited. Um, so yeah, I, think I bring those kind of both ends of it. Yeah, you mentioned some pretty big names that you've worked with on the show here. And just out of curiosity, like with mm -hmm. all the great leaders, you know, that you've worked with, mm. um, what do you think like the through line is between all of those people? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there's a couple leaders that always like remind me of, of being really successful. Um, uh, one of the things that I've always admired is people who don't necessarily speak a lot in a meeting, but who, when they do speak, have very meaningful things to say. So they don't feel like, like they're obligated to constantly talk to lead the conversation, but they just pipe in with really good you know, either their questions or their ideas that shape the kind of solution that that meeting is about. A couple of folks that I've run into across the years that have been really impressive. Um, also a generalist knowledge of, of a lot of things. I see that a lot in real estate where people just like, there's a couple of people, they just know everything, a little bit about everything that we're talking about, whether it be structural engineering, sustainability, mechanical engineering, like the breadth of experience that real estate professionals need to have is impressive. And uh, I try to um, try to you know take a similar approach. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for sharing your experience on the show here today. Uh, last question in all of this: What is your definition of a real leader? Yeah. So again, a great question. It had me thinking a little bit as I was prepping for this. Um, I subscribe to a couple different philosophies that I think are really important when it comes to leadership. First and foremost, and this is actually something that I heard. President Obama say when I heard him speak uh, maybe six or eight years ago, uh, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Um, and I think that's specifically important uh, when it comes to certain aspects. Like you need to be a generalist as a leader, but you should have people who surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, smarter than you and deeper than you in specific areas. Um, whether that be the services that you're delivering in as an organization or just general business practices, things like taxes, accounting, HR laws. Like you need to have people on your leadership team that you can leverage their depth of knowledge in those specific um, topics uh, to, to come up with the best solutions. I like that. It's powerful. Certainly something I try to live by, but um, you know, I'm learning every day from for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for your time today on the Real Leaders Podcast for Jacob Arlene. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, and always keep it real. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, Real Leaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all 
the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realtors.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.